sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. What magic wand do you have? A really strong job report to start the year, finishing really after a very strong year last year. 2.6 million jobs created last year, and, and here the first month of this year, 304,000 net new jobs. That's more than economists had expected. And now, Stacey Washington. And we have a jam-packed program. We're going to speak to Matt Philbin. He's a managing editor at MRC Culture, Media Research Center Culture. We're going to be talking about the media's unsuccessful attempts to stop the hugely successful, big, big deal of a movie, Unplanned, the Abby Johnson story. I've been so just encouraged by not just the coordination that's gone on behind the scenes with that movie, um, getting a chance to sit down and have breakfast with three of the producers uh, while we were in Anaheim, California, and just spending time just listening to them. They're the same guys who brought us God's Not Dead. So if you love that movie and you love the production quality of that movie, then you're going to find this movie has the same level of production quality. Fantastic music. The, the score of the film is actually original content because they'd requested and received permission to use uh, you know, mainstream audio music from different artists. And then afterwards, uh, Hollywood kind of pushed back and said, you know, basically put pressure on those artists and those artists rescinded their, uh, their approval for their music to be used during the film. And so it was disappointing for them, but they ended up with some amazing music. And, uh, you know, God doesn't do anything by accident. He doesn't half step. And so everything is as it should be with this film, including the blockbuster status that it's now enjoying, um, an amazing opening first weekend, and that's that's kind of in the face of a Disney production. You know, they're into turning all of their cartoon blockbusters into live-action films. I think it's a total mistake. I have no interest in seeing the cartoons turned into live-action films, but apparently some people do. But Dumbo, the storyline to it, it barely worked as a cartoon, right? That was not your favorite movie to watch. Some people, if if you were a kid like me, I watched Dumbo once. I'd seen it one time. I never needed to see it again. So it it's kind of defies logic that they would make it into a live-action film, but they did. It opened the same, same weekend as Unplanned and did horribly. So we're going to chat uh, about the success and all of the different machinations they went through to try to crush it. We're also going to discuss the border. Obviously, it's a huge issue. Uh, we're seeing a complete breakdown of law and order down to the south of our country and Mexico is not only complicit, but they're assisting in this onslaught. It's an invasion. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit in the third segment. And we'll take your calls at that point as well. Right now, I want to get to the encouragement. And I got a lot out of this today. Um, I just sometimes, you know, it, it can be daunting. Um, you know, you have a lot to do. You have a lot on your plate. There's a lot going on. 
And that's when it's a great time to go back into the word and find out what God has said to his people when, you know, you look around, the news is terrible, all of that. And so Jeremiah 33.3 is our encouragement for today. Now, I want to, the, and the title of this call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Who doesn't want to know great and unsearchable things that currently you're unaware of? I, I know I certainly do. Now, this scripture is about the restoration of Israel. It starts off in verse two, actually. It says, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says about the houses of this city and the palaces of the kings of Judah that have been torn down for defense against the siege ramps and the sword. So let's cross-reference a little bit here because it's so helpful to have something we can tie this together to in other parts of the Bible. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. You will honor me. That's Psalm 50, 15. When he calls out to me, I will answer him and I will be with him in time of trouble. I will deliver and honor him. Psalm 91, 15. So over and over again, God says, here I am. Call out to me. I'll help you. You need deliverance. I'm here. Have you fallen in the ditch? Have you got yourself into some trouble? You've engaged in some sin and now you're experiencing retribution. Still, you can call on me and turn to me and I will relent. Isaiah 48, 6, turn to him and repent and he will relent. I want to be clear about that. Isaiah 48, 6 says, you've heard these things. Look at them all. Will you not acknowledge it? From now on, I will tell you of new things, hidden things unknown to you. I really feel like this in my life has pertained to things that Sometimes it's things I'm wondering about. Other times it's things that are happening in my life that I don't see any plausible explanation for. I want deliverance. I want some kind of relief from the thing. And I'm trying to figure out why it's happening. And, and in those times when I've remembered, hey, you know what? I'll just, Lord, why is this happening? That's all I've said. And sometimes I'll be in church the next Sunday and the pastor will actually weave the answer into his uh, you know, preaching and teaching other times a person will tell me, sometimes they're just talking about something else and they'll, the answer will be given to me in that moment. Regardless of how it comes, I've always asked beforehand when that happens. So don't forget that God is not just here to answer our prayers. You know, he's not some silent entity that we can't commune with, we can't receive answers from. God is real and he's able to answer your questions. And as it says here in the Bible, teach you unknown things. This to me ties into wisdom where you, you've been around wise people before. You listen to them talk and you're like, wow, this person really, you know, they, they have knowledge. They have wisdom. That comes from asking God, Lord, show me. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord where he may be, while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And when is he near? Now, right now. He's near to you right now. Isaiah 55, 7 says, let the wicked man forsake his own way and the unrighteous man his own thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that the Lord may have compassion and to our God for will he freely pardon. So he'll pardon our sins, our transgressions, but we have to turn to the Lord first and we have to repent and give up our wicked ways. And so this is, this is something that we need as a nation right now. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of, um, the, the hate mail that I get where people are saying, you know, I decree that you're Satan and you're this and you're that um, is because 
first of all, that person misunderstands what the word of God says. They're not reading it. They're not studying it. But also because lawlessness and wickedness has become so mainstream and common that anyone who speaks out against it, it's, it's almost like you're, you're, it's like, what are you, how dare you? How dare you call that out? Everyone's doing it. You're the anomaly here. You don't get to talk about that. Well, actually I do. And so does any person who chooses to crack the word open and take a look and, and, and impart what it says, which that's all I'm doing here. I don't, I don't write the Bible. I've never had any say in what's in it. I'm sharing what I found there, which leads me back to our cross-reference scriptures. Then you will call, call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. That's Jeremiah 29, 12. Again, God says to us, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. God has over and over again told us he's able and willing, but he's also waiting for us to come to him with our concerns, with our, with our repentance, with our reasonable expectation that his word is true. All we have to do is follow it. So acting in obedience and saying, Lord, I've, I've, I've messed up here. I repent. I'm turning away from that. And, and I, want, I want deliverance here. I want to be right with you. And that's what we have to say. That's what we have to do. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Oh, Lord God, you have made the heavens and earth your, by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. So in any situation, no matter what it looks like in the natural, no matter what reports you have, what piece of paper, what letter you've gotten, no matter what anyone else has told you, nothing is too difficult for God. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? And the answer is no, nothing is too difficult for him. So, you know, the, the, the answer here is that we have to call upon God. If we expect to receive any comfort from him, from him, we have to, we can't say, well, you know, God has numbered the hairs on my head. He's numbered my tears. He knows me. He formed me. And before he formed the deep, he knows all of my issues. Of course he does, but it's a relationship. So you have to call upon him if you want to see him draw closer to you. Promises in the Bible are there to encourage us to pray. They're not there to assure us that we just can sit back with our hands crossed and our our feet up and, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory. It's the opposite of that. So the promises lead us to the gospel. And in that gospel, God reveals truth to direct us and give us peace, which makes us easy. So all of us who are in the process, who've given ourselves to Jesus Christ, who we're being sanctified from day to day, we know that we have the sanctifying grace. Uh, God's truth directs us. We, we are cleansed from the filth of sin. God's pardoning mercy actually frees us from guilt. We don't have to feel guilty. We are sinners, but we're justified, washed, and sanctified in the name of Jesus Christ. And so through all of that, we know that the Holy Spirit enables us to walk before God in peace and purity, but we have to pray. We have to read our Bible and we have to pray and we have to rely on God. And that means if we want to know the the deep and unknown things, we have to ask him. So that's totally encouraging because I like knowing everything. And so knowing the deep and unknown things, totally on my to-do list, which means I have to pray even more. All right. So that's the encouragement for today. Um, Now, I want to give you a little bit of audio of the president. He was actually talking to the press gaggle in the White House. Today, uh, they had... 
the Secretary General of NATO, the North Atlantic Trade Organization. He showed up at the White House and he's there to do, you know, they're, they're there to meet. He's going to be there for a few days. But the president took that time to highlight something that is a promise made, promise kept, which is that NATO is now much better funded than it was before he was the president. And the president took some really interesting tacks in trying to get that done. Like he was insulting people on Twitter. He insulted people to their faces at breakfast tables, you know, when he was abroad. He didn't try to be people's friends. He did the mean old angry handshake. Like I can shake your hand harder than you shake mine. Does it feel like your hand is breaking? Okay, I did it right. That kind of thing. And everyone, while he was doing it, was all shocked and pearl clutching and aghast because they were like, he can't treat people like that. Well, it worked. The the strong arm tactic totally worked with these people. Take a listen. And the guy was squirming in the chair while he was talking. It's number five. Uh, we've worked together on getting some of our allies to pay their fair share. It's called burden sharing. And uh, as you know, when I came, it wasn't so good. And now it's they're catching up. Uh, we have uh, seven of the 28 countries are currently current. And uh, the rest are trying to catch up, and they will catch up. And some of them have no problems because they haven't been paying, and they're very rich. But uh, we're looking at the 2 percent of GDP level. And at some point, I think it's going to have to go higher than that. I think probably it should be higher. But we're at a level of 7 out of the 28. The United States pays for a very big share of NATO, a disproportionate share. But the relationship with NATO has been very good. The relationship with the Secretary General has been outstanding. And I think tremendous progress has been made. Uh, and he's not getting any credit for that in the media, which is why he's telling the press gaggle at the White House. And I, I, I'll have to, the next time I read one, I'll have to save it and share it with you. Yesterday, I was reading one of the uh, reports from the White House press corps. And the guy was, um, it was so funny. He was like, just, he wrote the press release like a story, a story wherein he mocked the president because he doesn't believe anything the president said. And he's issuing this for all news organizations across the country to use in their reporting. Uh, I was kind of, a, it, it's, it's unbelievable the kind of treatment the president gets from these people. All right, when we get back, we'll have Matt Philbin of MRC. Stay right there. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan, two Texans, support and believe in our ministry here at AFA and AFR. We know more about the laundry business than anything else. We know a little bit about a lot of things, but we know a lot about the laundry and dry cleaning business. They created a laundry detergent to sell to folks to support AFA. We just want to be able to provide a product that can be used by AFA to support the ministry. When you wash your family's clothes with Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent, you can take great satisfaction in knowing that you're supporting the vital work of the American Family Association. It's a unique way to increase your giving to AFA. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. 
Learn more about the Redeem Clean products when you visit redeemclean.afastore.net. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I'll never forget the shock and fear that hit my family when my oldest sister, Elena, was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer. We truly wrestled with fear. Thoughts like, are we going to lose her? How long does she have? What's the prognosis? All of these questions crowded out our other more mundane concerns. More often than not, fear is our first response to life's crises and challenges. Fear is born out of uncertainty. It's a sense of danger. Things are not predictable. We don't see this coming. We haven't been through this before. We don't know what's going to happen, and it strikes fear in our hearts. You know what? We must reject fear's paralyzing control. Listen to these tender instructions from Psalm 34, verses 4 through 7. I sought the Lord, and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. You see, when fear strikes our hearts, number one, we need to stop and seek the Lord. The psalmist says, I sought the Lord. Seek God right now. Ask for his special presence in your predicament. Then secondly, embrace his concern. Verse 6 says, The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Finally, draw strength from his presence. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. He'll strengthen you to face whatever danger you fear. Here's what I want you to remember today. God is with you, and he is greater than all your fears. No matter what you're facing, he is with you. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. It's so good to be with you. Um, before we get to our guest, I want to give you um, this Customs and Border Patrol agent describing the border crisis. He says, we're struggling down here just to keep things going. It's number three. You know, not that I'm aware of, but, you know, I don't think they... You know, down at my level, we don't we don't hear too much about that. What we do know, though, is just in our area alone, last week we saw 9,000 people come, almost 9,000 people apprehended. That's not even counting the the hundreds or thousands that are getting away from us because we don't have the manpower out there. Well, you know, I think if people are coming in legally, they're they're coming between the ports of entry is not really uh, uh, an option for them. Um, I, I think it'll do two things. Uh, one, it will get Congress. Uh, to, to wake up and realize that it's time to get to work. We, we've been dealing with, <clears throat> excuse me, dealing with this since 2014 and nobody's lifted a finger and it's fallen directly in the lap of the Border Patrol and, and we're struggling down here just to keep things going. And, and on the second hand of that, if, if they close those ports of entries, we can uh, use those agents to help us out in, in the field to, to get a control over what's going on. It's just, it's so far out of hand, you guys wouldn't believe it if you saw it. And... This is just candid conversation about how crazy it's gotten down there with 4,000 people a day. Now, you, you heard yesterday that, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, who he never gets 100% from me because of his actions like this. Like whenever you think, wow, he did an awesome thing, then he comes up with some stuff like this, which is 
he threw the president under the bus saying that if the president closes the border, it's going to have catastrophic economic uh, consequences. Really? What about the catastrophic uh, consequences that parents are facing because their kids have been killed by illegal aliens? What about that? What about the catastrophic things that are happening down at the southern border to our agents who are working and a lot of them being injured by um, illegal aliens crushing through, pushing through, injuring them, trying to get into the country? Uh, and then you have this new presidential candidate. He's He's got zero poll numbers. Um, I, I don't even know what his name is. Castro? Uh, Castro. He's he's a he's a candidate for the Democratic nomination. And he is suggesting that it should no longer be an, a criminal act for people to cross into the country illegally, which would, of course, obliterate our uh, immigration system. Like we don't have immigration if you don't have any consequences for entering the country illegally. It basically means the border is wide open Every, anyone who's been waiting for four or five years or 10 years or whatever, or anyone who can't afford to pay the fees to get in should simply fly to Mexico and come on in because there is no longer a penalty. And that would also negate any penalty for Canadians coming in illegally, for people flying to Canada and coming in here illegally, or people simply flying into the country on a passport and staying here indefinitely. Why would you need to make the difficult trek? Coming into the country unlawfully, whether you have a passport or not, it would no longer be an issue. Unless Castro's saying the only people who should be who should have Ill, unlawful immigration decriminalized are those who are coming from south of the border, which then sounds a lot like the same kind of racism they claim that the president engaged in. So it's interesting to see the lengths to which people are willing to go to try to make themselves more palatable to voters on the left. Meanwhile, and we'll get to that later in the program, you've got uh, MSNBC host Chris Matthews, who's he's sounding the alarm. He's saying if the Democrats don't move back to the center or at least come back from the very tippy edge of teeter-tottering on the brink of destruction, if they don't do that, then they are going to experience a loss, a huge loss in 2020. Um, so, okay, so I'm looking here. I see we have now possibly another number for our guest. Um so we'll we'll get to him in just a minute, hopefully here. Um, so I, I'm my 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 big deal here is what exactly do Democrats want besides raw power, besides the ability to ensure that they never have to suffer a crushing defeat like the one they saw at the Electoral uh, College in 2016, besides not having to have anything that they've ever put into effect undone? Because I, I noticed that that's a big thing with Democrats. Um, there's a there's. Uh, also, some good news coming out of the Looney Ninth Circuit. The president has now filled all of the vacancies that I guess had come about since the, his presidency, meaning that there are it's now almost perfectly balanced. There are 15 conservative judges and I think 16 uh, liberal ones. So that means it's going to be harder for them to get the you know, unless they just all vote in lockstep, the, the, they have just the slimmest of majorities. So he's poised to flip that court back to some semblance of constitutional adherence. And that's pretty amazing. If you think about it, it's pretty amazing that that would be the case. So I'm my, my primary interest in looking at how we're, we're seeing the Democrat field crack out is that we want, okay, we, we, we want to see normal Democrats again. I don't know where they've gotten to. I don't know where that where they're hiding, but it'd be great if they would come back out. 
Democrats who really believe in America, who believe in borders, a sovereign United States of America, good foreign policy, uh, fiscal responsibility, and some semblance of respect for human life, where are those Democrats? If they're around, please stand up, right? Um, I know they have some constituents, but where are the leadership, the elected members who hold those views? All right. It's my pleasure to welcome Matt Philbin, Managing Editor of MRC Culture. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So, Unplanned, the movie, looks like it's doing really well at the box office. Yeah, it apparently came in uh, fifth in in box office uh, this weekend, its opening weekend. And that's really, really good for a movie that opened in only, I think, about 1,200 theaters. Um, and it's also great for a movie that has been absolutely blocked from advertising both on social media and on TV by a number of networks. So 1,200 theaters, um, is that a limited release? What, what constitutes a full release? Yeah, it is a, a limited release. release. And actually, I'm not, it's, it's something over 1,000 theaters, but um, it is a limited release. Um, this, but oh, one of the great things that has happened is that because it has done so well, it gained another 500 theaters after the weekend. So it's got a lot of traction, and it's doing very well for an independent movie. So what constitutes a full release? A couple thousand theaters? I mean, how many theaters does it have to be before it's a full one? I think it's something along the lines of 3,000, but please, uh, I'm, I'm not terribly certain about that. Hmm. Okay, so I, I, what kind of actions were taken? I, I saw Twitter basically waited until the film was released and then deactivated their account, the unplanned official movie account, which at the time, I think it maybe had 30,000 followers on it, and they deactivated it. What else have they done to try to crush the ability of unplanned to get their message out there so the movie could succeed? Well, they did that. They had uh, The movie had 40,000 followers, and they suspended it without notice saying it was an accident, but of course it's the kind of accident that never happens to, uh, you know, to liberals. Mm. Um, so it came back, uh, Twitter, you know, said, oh, our mistake, and, and brought it back. And in the wake of that, it gained uh, hundreds of thousands of followers. It was up to 200,000 uh, as of April 1st, and it, or, or Actually, it gained 99,000, um, and it became verified. It became a blue check mark, as they say, um, which is, you know, a mark of sort of official imprimatur from uh, Twitter. And then all of a sudden, uh, the blue check mark is gone, which might be, it, it, and it hasn't returned as of, as of uh, last we checked. Um, at, which means that it hasn't been re, re-verified. However, uh, as of our writing, it had 200,000 followers. So it was doing very well. Uh, the move backfired on Twitter. So I, here's, here I saw a, um, a side-by-side that Abby Johnson put up on her social media on Facebook, and she was celebrating the fact that right now they have 340,000 followers. They have 597 tweets, so that's outstanding. Usually to get to a half a million followers, you, you have you know, 40,000, 50,000 tweets. Um, 340,000 followers. They're following 4,439 people, 2,110 likes. 
what's so funny about this is if you look up Planned Parenthood's account, and they have numerous accounts. They have PPAX, yes. you know, PPACT, PPFA. Uh, but if you look up Planned Parenthood Action, they have 479,000 followers. So Unplanned almost has more than they do. Um, you can go to Planned Parenthood Action. Um, they have, you know, it. In in any case, there this movie is now in the same neighborhood of the actual official Big Mama Bear Planned Parenthood, and that is kind of unbelievable if you think about it. Because liberals have everyone convinced that abortion is so normative, there's there really isn't anybody else out there who who's clear thinking who would oppose it. Well, that's right, and and what what the movie also has is very motivated followers. Um, people are very high on this movie. Uh, it's very well done. Apparently, I have not seen it, but it, it's very well done. It tells a great story, and it's it's kind of an unlikely story. It's it's a story not very uh, you wouldn't expect to be made in Hollywood, and uh, that has people pretty jazzed about it. And you can you can tell. Um, that a lot of people are excited to go see it, and a lot of people are excited to share it, um, which is a wonderful thing considering uh, considering that you know it was blocked from actual TV advertising on a huge swath of basic cable channels. Also, uh, one that I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but um, the big Christian contemporary music. It's it's like a woolly mammoth in the radio industry. It's called K-Love. And uh, you don't have to be a Christian to listen to it. Lots of people who are, you know, a-religious or irreligious or whatever the new term is for it, listen to K-Love because it's clean music that you can have on anywhere at any time. Your kids can be around. You don't have to worry about any sexual, sexually explicit language or, or, or profanity. They actually have advertised for God's Not Dead and other films but they wouldn't allow Unplanned to advertise on their radio waves at first. And then after they experienced a huge backlash from their listener-supported radio base, they relented and allowed a few ads to go out before opening day. And, and that's been the story across all media with this, with this movie. Um, it's very interesting, too, that the movie could not get any mainstream music to use uh, as part of the soundtrack. Uh, as opposed to, I guess, writing, having it composed itself, um, they wanted to use some mainstream music, and the the owners of music would not play ball with them. You know what's disappointing about that is most people consider some of the mainstream music, whatever their favorite genre is, it's kind of like the soundtrack to their life. It's what they're listening to when they're in the car. Right. Um, you know, they're, you're you're cooking in the kitchen and you're jamming out to whatever. And more and more, I'm finding that instead of allowing the, the music that has been the, the soundtrack to my life that really brings back a lot of memories, I'm having to switch over to Christian music, Christian radio, and also older music that, you know, it's gospel music and things like that, to allow that to be the soundtrack to my life. Because it turns out the people who've been making that music that I've been jamming out to, they hate me <laughs> because, right. you know, because I'm a Christian. And so I'm wondering, right. how can, how can, you know, uh, how can Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen or any of the, the rap artists, how can any of them have music that's the soundtrack to my life now that I know what they think about people like me? It's true. And I mean, every, every election cycle, we hear about another Republican who's been 
uh, asked to stop using a song because it, it offends somebody. Uh, you know, Tom Petty, when he was alive, did it with, uh, I forget, I forget who it was, but it was Won't Back Down. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people, a lot of music that we like, uh, and that is not necessarily politically charged, uh, you know, is being sort of taken away by this polarization, and it, it's unfortunate. Well, I, I also think if so, for people who say they don't want the country to be so divided, or they, they you know, Republicans never reach across the aisle. It seems like it's really a, a singular action by Democrats everywhere where they're taking the, the extraordinary step. They have to go out of their way to show people that don't practice the, you know, the Democrat religion, if you will, their orthodoxy, that they're not welcome. And that, right. that to me is really it's instructive because they're the party of tolerance. Remember when all they used to talk about was how we needed to tolerate each other? And I remember way back when my kids, they were so small, the only one of them was in preschool and we were at a big diversity round table at their kid, at their preschool and everyone's sitting around talking about tolerance. And I just raised my hand and I said, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I just have that little bit of air force background. I just did the one tour, but I remember aircraft tolerance being the point at which a piece of steel or sheet metal or aluminum would crack, break, or fail. So anything that had reached its tolerance, it's at the point of failing. So I don't want to see a person and say, I'm going to tolerate them because that means I'm only putting up with them to the point where I may break. It will break me emotionally, spiritually, break my, you know, my, my ability to contain myself and be a, a, a respectable person. And a bunch of people around the table were kind of like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I was like, yeah, so we're, we're not going to be you know, kind to each other. We're not going to respect each other. We're not going to treat each other nicely. We're just going to tolerate each other. Who wants to tolerate each other until the point that we snap? And a lot of people nodded. They're like, but tolerance is the word that we use to describe how we can uh, understand other people. And I said, I just don't think it's accurate if words still have meaning and we're going to look at what tolerance means. This is what we're dealing with with these people. Right. But that's a great example of how words uh, don't have meaning anymore uh and how you know the the sort of lefty uh liberal use of words masks what they're really about and it warps it in both ways mm. um you know yeah, are you yeah. talking about tolerance or are you talking about celebration exactly um, well and, matt and we're up against the break and and it's been so great to talk to you thank you so much for joining us today matt Philbin, managing editor of mrc culture fantastic work over there keep it up we'll talk to you again soon and we'll be back with more right after this This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. People often tell us how blessed our adopted children are because they're part of the Dungy family. But we don't look at it that way. We feel that we are the fortunate ones. Our children have blessed us in so many ways. They've made us better parents and better individuals. I've always wanted a large family and we now have seven boys and two girls. Tony jokes that if we adopt one more, he's going to go back to coaching because that would be quieter and less hectic. (laughs) Well, I was kidding, of course. 
Lauren and I are indeed blessed. For those of you blessed with children, thank God today for giving them to you. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Have you ever found yourself so embarrassed in a situation that you couldn't even look a person in the eye? One day, I was in the drive-thru of a famous fast food restaurant, and I was giving my order to whom I thought was a man, but turned out to be a woman. Oh my goodness. I found that out because I said yes, sir, and she quickly corrected me. I was so embarrassed, I couldn't even finish the order, so I drove off. That was a true story of fear and embarrassment. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. My brothers and sisters, do not operate as I did and drive away due to fear creeping in. Know that the spirit of the living God lives in you. And with him, he can bring about that courage that you didn't even realize was already in you. With the heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Victoria Hollyfield. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com. Media Minute with Howard Kurtz. The media have been absolutely pounding the Trump administration as heartless for proposing to eliminate funding for the Special Olympics. But there's more to the story. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos took the heat, testified on the Hill, said, you know, the government can't fund every program. By the way, it's only $17 million, which is probably less than the Pentagon spends on the staples. And President Trump said he knew nothing about this. He came out. He said he's overridden his staff. He's restoring the funding. The funding is up to Congress, and Congress was never going to cut this in the first place. It turns out that Betsy DeVos behind the scenes had actually been fighting to preserve this funding, she says, but was overruled by the president's office and management and budget. This is the kind of self-inflicted error that the Trump administration often gets into. I doubt that if the president knew about this, he would want to take the public relations hit over such a tiny amount of money over such an important cause. But the mixed signals resulting in more bad press for the White House. With your Media Minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Oh, look, the president's not threatening. The president's taking his job as the commander-in-chief uh, very seriously in terms of protecting the American people. Even Obama's own Department of Homeland Security cabinet secretary uh, this past week has said that there's a crisis at the border. We're glad that others and Democrats and people in the mainstream media are starting to understand the crisis that the president has been talking about for the last two years. We have to take action. Democrats in Congress are leaving us no choice. This is not the path the president wants to take, but they're leaving us no choice because they're unwilling to work with us to fix the problem because they're too busy playing politics instead of doing their jobs. Well, one can certainly... Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. You can join us by calling 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Uh, we, I'd be happy to take your call. I, I'm, I want to go just one, one wrap around there from our interview um, there with Matt Philbin. So glad he was able to join us today. And, you know, it's always awesome to see the information that they gather over at Newsbusters. And I put the link up on Twitter and over on the Facebook page if you want to read the piece. Um, it, it reads like something out of a movie. 
we used to think it was outlandish to even suggest if you even suggested it, people would say, oh, you just don't know what you're talking about. You're just you're you're just so overly sensitive or you're making stuff up. If you said that certain individuals were out to prevent this group or that group from doing anything other than, you know, race politics, if you said Hollywood doesn't want that place to succeed. But now it's it's open. Everyone's out there engaging in this kind of behavior. And I find it ludicrous that pro-aborts, people who actually abortion is their God, they worship at the altar of Planned Parenthood, that people like that would say, you know, we need to stop them from having the opportunity to advertise this on Twitter. We don't want anybody to see their movie. If they're so lock solid on abortion and they think it's so fantastic, why not just let everybody see what it is? And, and so now the cat's out of the bag, right? Um, uh, guys, don't let what you know about this movie stop you from going to see it. That, that's the enemy right there, right? And, and, and you notice I don't say that a lot on this show because I believe in the power of God. We know Satan is real, but he is vanquished. He is under your foot. Go to the Bible. Read how many times God says he, he has delivered the enemy into your hand. But it is definitely the work of the enemy when you hear about the content of the movie and you know it's hard. You know it's hard content. And then you say to yourself, I just, I don't think I'm going to go see it. I'm not, I'm, I don't need to see, I don't need to see that. Or I know what it is. I don't need to see it. I'll just support the movie in other ways. No, I need you to go see it. I, you know, be, be, be here with me, sisters in Christ, brothers in Christ. You have children. You have, you're a part of this. You are a part of this conversation, whether you're checked in or checked out. Whether you want to acknowledge what's going on in our country surrounding abortion, the carnage is all around you. You're swimming in it. You're in the grocery store, you're in church, you're in Bible study, you're in close communication and contact with women who have had abortions. You are in close communication and contact with men whose wives, girlfriends, sisters, moms, daughters have had abortions. The men are suffering just like the women and just like the silent scream that, that it, is, it was a movie, it is commonly referred to as what the, the unborn baby does before they are destroyed. They scream out, but they can't be heard because they're in the womb. That same silent scream is going on in the hearts of millions of Americans. They're screaming in agony. They have not yet received Christ's forgiveness for participating in this act, and they don't think they deserve it. They don't think they should be forgiven. And some of them are supporting Planned Parenthood because they feel like to do so would be hypocrisy. If they were to fight uh, against abortion after having participated or had one themselves, they would be hypocrites. And so their silent scream goes on. And it is the source of of things that we see. I'm telling you, uh, self-harm among women, suicide, um, the the rapid, we have such an outgrowth of people who are on antidepressants and mood-altering drugs in this country. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ for having an abortion, for telling your girlfriend or your wife she had to have an abortion, for being there helpless and not being able to stop your girlfriend or your wife from having an abortion, from participating and having your child, your daughter, go and have an abortion. There's forgiveness for that. For the woman who had the abortion, there's forgiveness. Nothing is beyond God. Nothing is beyond him. So the, the, the question is, first of all, 
you have to go see the movie. And you don't hear me say that a lot. I talk about uh, culture and movies and, and things like that all the time on the show. And I never say you have to go see, you know, I, I, don't, I don't go there. But on this one, first of all, I've walked the walk, I've seen it. Okay? So I've seen it. And it is hard to watch. But it's not too hard for you. And so the thing that you need to do is just be obedient and go see it. Not obedient to me, but obedient in the fact that you have to take a stand on one side or the other. And not taking a stand is taking a stand. You're on the other. You want to be able to know that you did whatever you could to, um, to fight for the unborn children. And then also the children who are born who don't have a home, children who are, you know, in foster care. We're, the pro-life movement spans conception to natural death. So everyone that I know in the pro-life movement is working not just on behalf of the unborn, but after women make the decision that they're not going to have an abortion, when they change their mind in the Planned Parenthood parking lot, or when they go to, uh, we have these fantastic Thrive vans here in St. Louis where it is a medical office on wheels. You know how they trick out the um, the RVs for rock stars and, and for the Kardashians and they put all this custom stuff in it? Thrive puts all of this custom ultrasounds, medical testing equipment. There's a nurse practitioner on board and it drives to different locations and you can have STD testing, you can have a pap smear, you can have a pregnancy test, you can have an ultrasound in this van. And women who go into that van when it's parked across from the Planned Parenthood on Forest Park Boulevard and they change their mind and they decide they're not going to abort that baby that they just heard the heartbeat. They just saw it kicking and moving in their tummy. Those women then go on to connect up with the Thrive Center here in St. Louis. And they go on. I mean, these these women are given everything they need from furniture, rent payments. Some of them, they don't want any of that. They don't want the baby, but they don't want it to die. And those women, their baby is adopted into a family and they're allowed to keep contact or never have contact again. So it's a lie from the pit of hell that people who support pregnancy resource centers and, and uh, you know, Mission Preborn and all of these different wonderful organizations that we're connected up with, that we support them. But we, after, after the baby's born, we're hands off. We don't care. That's not true. That is not true. We give money. We give supplies, we give whatever, when the clarion call comes out on the email, we all rally up and we take kitchen table. This, this mom has just gotten an apartment. We paid the rent for three months and she doesn't have a kitchen table and someone will bring a kitchen table and chairs. Sometimes it's brand new. Sometimes it's super nice stuff that they, I just have an extra kitchen table and chairs and now it's yours. So this, this is where we have to take our stand. And I feel like it's one of those things where once you've jumped over that, that hurdle, and seen this movie, not only will you be freed from the guilt and condemnation, but you are unleashed to go out there and speak about it because that's what the movie plan, that, that's what Unplanned does for you. If you aren't already there, it'll get you there. So please don't, don't take this as anything other than me saying, I, after having seen it and met these men and talked to them and heard their hearts on this. These are some God-fearing men and they're, they're operating in the realm where it's, they only see the step in front of them. Putting a movie together was literally making a phone call. If you were listening to the show uh, while we were in Anaheim, uh, you heard Mr. My Pillow, my, Mike Lindell. He, he said 
he got a phone call and transferred a million dollars into their account to help them finish the film because he felt God said that's what he should do. God told him to do that. And they have other stories like that. They were telling Madison and I were sitting at breakfast in Anaheim thinking, what, like, first of all, how did we end up at the table with these guys? It was a God thing for sure. Because we walked in. We didn't know who we were going to sit with. We just sat down at an empty table. And the two of them sat down. And then the third producer we'd met here in St. Louis. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I know you. He was like, how are you? Who was this? I was like, this is Madison. This is our daughter. We're just sitting here having breakfast. And, and the other two were like, you know this guy? And I'm like, yes, I know him. And, he was like, do you know these two? And I'm like, no, we, we just we just sat down together. And he went, we, we brought God's Not Dead to, to, we're the producers of God's Not Dead. And we're the producers of Unplanned. We, me and Madison, our mouths were on our little breakfast plates. We we're like, what? So go see the movie. Just go see it. Don't, don't allow the enemy to steal what, what can be an amazing experience for you. Let's go to the phone. Let's go to Jim in Texas. Hey, Jim. Thanks for calling Stacy on the right. Hey, Stacey. I love that show, God's Not Dead. That was just outstanding. <laughs> but, uh, what I wanted to comment on was that uh, IRS lady who uh, was blocking the uh, conservatives and uh, from getting their tax exempt status. I think her name was Lois Lerner. Yeah. And at mm-hmm. one point, you know, she was taking the Fifth Amendment and she was saying uh, at one point, why don't um, the conservatives, and she's referring to all of us conservatives, just go their own way? And I'm thinking since then, well, heck, you know what? Why don't we take them up on it? You know what? Let's go our way. Let's separate from them. At one point in the Bible, it says separate yourselves from them. And um, I think I'm just kind of curious as to what the public would think about separating. You know, let the conservatives get together and have their area. Let the uh, leftist liberals, maybe they want to become socialist communists. I don't know. Go their own way. And uh, maybe there would be another part for the um, the, uh, in the middle you know, who don't know which way to go. Uh, but I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, how many people would actually support that idea? Okay. You have to read, and thank you so much for that call. You have to read the books by Kurt Schlichter. Um, these are, so they're Kindle books or audio books that you can listen to. That He doesn't do them. Well, actually, maybe a couple of his books are paper print. Um, I've read two of them. It's the People's Republic. Um, you got to read that. You got to read that book. It, it describes Kurt Schlichter is a former uh, army colonel. Um, he's also an attorney out in California. He's brilliant. He's a contributor over at Town Hall. He fills in on some other radio station I won't mention here, but he's a friend of mine. And he and his wife, they're just fantastic, you know, good, good conservative folks. And he's written these books, and the People's Republic is about, um, oh yeah, you can get it in paperback. So I had, uh, I had the, I bought the online copy when it was first released, it was online only. And the book is about these blue states, which are collapsing under the dead weight of their politically correct tyranny. And you've got this lethal operative who's been haunted by his violent past, undertaking one last mission to infiltrate and take out his target in the nightmarish city of Los Angeles, deep in the heart of the People's Republic of North America. This is an amazing book. I read it, uh, like I said, on my laptop. Um, and then there's a part two to this book, which is amazing as well. It describes what happens after Hillary Clinton is elected president, and then the, the country splits into three parts. The East Coast and the West Coast are the North American People's Republic uh, or People's Republic of North America. 
and the center of the country is still the United States of America, and it's where the conservatives live. And it's constitutional, and the other parts are run kind of like a plutocracy where aristocrats live well and everyone else is a serf and violence reigns and, you know, no-go zones and stuff like that. Um, That's what would happen. The question is, you know, I don't, liberals don't want conservatives to go away and have their own place because if we're somewhere else living under a constitution and worshiping God and being happy and making money, that would make them look bad. And they wouldn't like that. They're about control. They want all of us to be under their control. The idea that someone can pick up an idea and make a lot of money on it and and be a black person and still worship God and be pro-life and all that, that upsets them. They don't want that happening. Um, so we have time for one more quick, quick call. Kelly in Alabama. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Are you there? Hi, Hi there. Thanks for calling okay. the show. You have I'm to make sorry. your call quick. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just want to say that I saw Unplanned. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met a lady at the theater, and she was telling me, uh, you know, I've not researched it, but she said when un- uh, Planned Parenthood goes into the schools and pass out, uh, pass out uh, birth control, that they know that those pills are not going to work. It's like they're sugar pills or something, and that the girls, they'll be taking them, and that they know they'll be seeing them in a few weeks. I don't know if that's true. You heard that? Um, yeah, I have, no, I, I have no research on that. I have no idea if that's true. Now, I... I we don't have to think about stories like that. What we know about Planned Parenthood is that they have a quota. Every woman of childbearing age, they want to have had three abortions in their lifetime. That's their kind of quota uh, for, for American women of childbearing age. So if you know that, then you know that they're working in public schools to be that resource for these kids. And what I've seen in public schools, what they do is they, they're basically, they're in the nurse's office. They're the person that the kids go to when they're scared to go talk to their parents. And once they've plugged into you, they're your health care provider for your sexual reproductive needs for the rest of your life or until you come to your senses. And that's why they shouldn't be in K-12 through public schools, because they provide abortions. They don't counsel women on how to become moms. They only counsel them on how not to be moms. Um, you can hold on until after the break, and we'll take your call. Right now, if you're leaving us, God bless you from the heartland. We love having you make your home here at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If you're sticking around, it's One News Now, news and information up next for you. Keep it here.